For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Ron Saw. He is our usual co-host. Sally is off tonight. We have Adam from 10K Takes. He's stopping by. And our keynote guest this evening is Cliff Averill. He played for the Detroit Lions and Seattle Seahawks for his career. And we have the Seahawks on the docket. He won a Super Bowl there. So along with B-Mac, Brian McKinney, we're going to chat with Cliff Averill tonight about this matchup and pick his brain a little bit. First, however, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated website and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive the 100% welcome bonus. That's a double uh, the amount of your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100, NFL100. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And then the other one we've been talking about recently is Balance 7. You'll recall that I told you that Paul uh, Lamar Odom is trying to make a comeback in Spain to play professional basketball there in Europe. Apparently, he's going to try out with Paul Gasol's team. He's been taking a new sal- uh, supplement that he owes credit to. The product is Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkalite supplement drink. It's like vitamins and supplements in liquid form, just one ounce of day, three times a day, and in a week, you'll see the effects. You can see how Balance 7 has helped Lamar Odom. And right now, if you use the go to balance7.com and use the promo code BLEAV, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to see if the pH balancing drink is going to work for you. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BLEAV at checkout. If it can work for Lamar Odom, it can work for you. In about 15 minutes, Cliff Averill, who spent time with the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks, will join us. Uh, first, we're going to go through some of the heartbreak in the desert. Uh, we are used to that sort of heartbreak. For some reason, this one crept up on us once again. I was telling Adam from 10K Takes, who's on our show tonight. Hi, Adam. How are you? Good. How are you? Not bad. I was telling him off air here that I convinced myself that Greg Joseph would make the kick. And it's unbecoming of me because usually I would be there with the rest of you thinking, oh, no, this isn't going to be good. But he did enough with three long ass kicks to convince me that he was the real deal. And I was hoodwinked and I was wrong. Uh, But I am glad that the team is sticking by him and giving him another shot. It seems like he has personality to bounce back from it. Uh, Ron, let's hear your your story about the anguish. Well, you know, it's, it is, it's all too familiar of a feeling, um, not having the kicker, um, be the one to decide the game. Um, and unfortunately for us, it has not bode well, or it has not bode well for us, um, as history says. Um, so to me, like, you know, I've long since let the, or not let the Vikings, the result impact the rest of my day. Now in the moment I get pissed or excited, whatnot, but what did really kind of piss me off was all the fans afterwards. Um, Cause I feel like the Vikings fans are the only fan base where they want their team to win, but they want it to win in, or to prove their opinion, right. Regardless of what that is. So whether it's, you know, Kurt can't get it done or Zimmer sucks or whatever. So they, 
if if they win in spite of those things, they're not happy. So um, while I do think there were some coaching mistakes, namely I would say the the squib kick to end the second half because there was just too much time to do that. Um, I do not think calling or letting the time run out and calling a timeout with three seconds left to kick a field goal is a wrong play because you're playing to win the game and a field goal at that point wins you the game and it's a 37 yarder. So, um, you know, it's it, it, looking at it though, like the offense played well. Um, the defense did have some splash plays. Um, I mean, then Arizona is going to put up yards and put up points. So you can't really stop that. Um, so there are some positives to take. Um, but the fact that we had it in, had the chance, you know, we had the drive and we couldn't make a kick, um, middle of the field, 37 yarder and the kicker can't make it yet. Somehow now we're letting the kicker off the hook and blaming everyone else because we should have done something else. should have gone for the kill shot as everyone's saying, but I think it was the right call, right play. Um, kicker's got to make that. So, but he did make a 52 yarder and, uh, has proven, to yeah, he's proven to have a long leg, which was kind of anti Joseph. So, um, we'll see, um, the Owen two, I, at this point last week, I saw us being Owen two. So, but now I'm feeling better about the next three home games, um, with the product that I saw on the field on Sunday. Yeah. Brian, did you see the game live? I've seen part of it because um, I was at the Dolphins game, but they had the Vikings game up there, so I was, you know, going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we got snake bitten by a kicker once again. And, I've seen that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was certain victory, not even difficult field goal. It was inside of all things. Uh, so yeah, it was like, like wide right a little bit. Yep, yep. It just uh, just knew, knew – when I say new innovative ways to break our hearts, it isn't the kick itself. It's the fact that the guy – like is only good evidently from way the hell out 50 yards. And in the preseason, he was the inverse. He couldn't hit beyond 50 yards, but he was automatic in front of it. So it's like, it's, it's a new storyline that God is writing, you know, in the screenplay that he has, that he's like, hmm, okay, let's get the confidence up with some 50 yarders. Uh, Adam, you were telling me that you were on a plane watching this spending top dollar. Walk us through. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually, we were talking off air a little bit about it, Dustin. I was in the Boston airport and I was trying to find ways to get the stream going. You know, there's many ways of watching basically out-of-market games. Being over in Boston, there I was being televised only the Tampa game at the time. Um, and it wasn't working with stream. I ended up finagling a way to get NFL Sunday ticket going on my phone. So I paid for that. And then I got on the flight because I said, all right, at least catch the first half. I can't, I can't just not go back to the game at the way the first half went. I'm like, Kirk played it. I mean, pretty safe to say his best first half or his best half as a Minnesota Viking, maybe in his career. I, if you look back at his days with Washington. And so I was like, I, our offense is humming. There's a couple plays in here that let him back in. I mean, the squib kick, like you said, Ron, I don't understand that. I, I just, don't understand the squib kick to get them in field goal range. And of course, Prater drills a 62 yarder <laughs> because of course he does. Um, and I then decide I have to buy this Wi-Fi so I can continue watching this game. And when he missed that field goal, I just had to sit there without saying any words because I'm surrounded by strangers. I would like to let out some choice words, but at the same time, deep down, I, I knew I was like, even in, if Greg Joseph has been automatic, I just said there, why did we let 35 seconds run off the clock here? Like what are, or 37, I guess, like run off the clock and not try to extend a little bit. I understand we were burned by it literally last week with Dalvin fumbling. I put with quotes around it. Um, but I just think you, you have, it, it was a situation of having our foot on the pedal and the second half, we just let off. We just let off a little bit offense. We let them kind of claw our way back in offense kind of got out of rhythm. We had a, did everything we could have done or should have done to still put the game away. Kirk let a phenomenal drive to get him in field goal range should, should make that Greg Joseph should make that 37 yard field goal, but knowing our history, knowing Zimmer, especially being burned by kickers, which I'm sure we'll talk about with cliff Averill here in for 2015. I, I don't understand why I leave it up to chance with 37, 37 is not short. It's not a chip shot. I mean, it's not long, but at the same time, you never know. Like, I just, 
I don't know. I will it, say kind of um, devil's advocate on that. Like the difference between like a 37 yarder and say like a 34 or 32, which he missed that is game. A, <laughs> right. He exactly. missed that That's game, 33 yards. But the, the percentages are about the same in that 30 to, to 37 range. So um, unless you're taking a shot at the end zone, which, which even that, like, I think that's a gamble because then there's, a, you know, you're running the risk of getting sacked or, you know, getting knocked out of field goal range or, you know, a turnover. And then, you know, the, the Kirk haters will come out in bunches. Well, see, he can't get it done. So, like, ultimately, unless you're taking a shot at the end zone, is it really worth that extra few yards when you know, like, Again, you have a chip shot play middle of the field, um, not dealing with any hash marks, not dealing with any wind. Um, I mean, that's a kick that he has to make. So again, there are in hindsight, yes, should we have maybe gotten closer, maybe tried to I do just something th- else? I just but. don't like it when we have 41 seconds by the time Osborne hit the ground, we had a timeout mm-hmm. and we just just settled for that. I understand he needs to make it. Like hindsight's 2020 always, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a person that's, you know, as to quote the great Michael Scott, I, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So, you know, that's, that's my thought. Yeah. I, I, uh, the, the reason that, uh, he, it wasn't like he just forgot that, you know, the clock was running. It's, uh, you alleviate the chance for a boneheaded play and you mm-hmm. set up the kicker who you trusted based on a two game sample size there to win the game. And, I, I, I think even offensive-minded teams, storied teams, would do this too. I don't know that you go for the jugular just because you can do it. I mean, it would be a well, one Well, the Chiefs-Ravens game, um, they yeah. t- took the ball out of Mahomes' hands and put it in yeah. um, the running back. He fumbled. So I just yeah. think there's more that could go wrong. I'm just yeah. more um, in the camp of you play to win the game. Like, you, you play to win, not to not lose. Yeah. And but I, a I, field goal I, wins the game. Like I understand, the- but... <laughs> <laughs> Greg Joseph sample size is tiny and very tiny. you know, that you, you have go. to assume that you, that you're not trotting a Blair Walsh in 2016 playoff game. To, well, you're giving me a get wide left. Yeah. Well, Cliff, yeah. Cliff is joined just as we bring up the topic of the playoff game. How are you, sir? Welcome to our show. I am well. I'm well. How you guys doing? You sound like y'all getting after it a little bit. Oh, we already are. Well, we are nursing a wound, a heartbreak. I don't know if you saw the Vikings highlights last week. We were um, we were crushed. Our souls were extracted from us because a kicker missed a chip shot. And it's an apropos segue because you, sir, were uh, a part of a game where that happened in your favor with the purple team yeah. screwing up. So I've wanted to ask this for quite some time. When the it stakes, was cold as hell out there too. By the way, <laughs> I was there. I was there in the stands. Have you thought uh, out yet? <laughs> I think I'm just thawing out actually. <laughs> so when so the stakes in that game, it's wild card round. You guys advanced uh, because our kicker missed a kick. I want to know when you look up or you see the ref say with hands say no good. Does winning feel different when it's something weird like that that happens? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. You take the doves out of the gun. <laughs> you take the doves out of the gun. No, um, I mean, you're, I think you're a little more excited because of how it played out, uh, depending on how you might have rallied back or something like that. It just depends on the circumstances. If you're up the entire time and then it goes to that, you know, you might yeah. have some different things on it. So it, it really just depends on, on the circumstances on, um, on how you were able to uh, pull that win off. Okay. Hey, B-Mac, so on that, in that same vein, like the Thursday night game, the Washington football team missed a kick, and then it was called back because an offside penalty, and then he made the kick. For you, did it feel different to win based on somebody else's mistake, or is Cliff correct that it's just all the same because it's a dub? Yeah, at the end of the day, you want to get the, uh, the W, so sometimes it ain't about how you got it as long as you got it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Ron, what do you have for Cliff tonight? Well, Cliff, hi, nice to meet you. My name's Ron. Um, so your first year in Seattle, obviously, um, you know, you went from a losing culture. Yeah, I see that back there. You went from a losing culture in Detroit. Um, and again, that to no, nothing of your doing. Um, but it just seems that franchise has had its problems. But you went from that to instantly at the peak of your profession as a Super Bowl champ. What was that like in um you know, just going through that in Detroit and then all of a sudden, like, hey, now we're here and let's see if we can repeat that. What was that experience like for you? 
it's a it was a whirlwind, man. Um, you know, I went 0 and 16 as a rookie too, right? So, uh, and you guys obviously know <laughs> about that, but um, so going from 0 and 16 to you know only having one winning season in five years, uh, to a culture where you know it's a lot of jumping around, guys are shooting hoops, you know, guys are talking trash to the quarterback, like anybody can get it, you know, and it was just. I, it literally took me two years to actually believe the hype about uh, like how Coach Carroll is on TV. Like he's like that every day. It took me two, two years to actually believe that because of the culture I came from, where you know you might walk down the hallway and you see the head coach coming. You're trying to find the first left or right, like so y'all don't cross paths. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was just a, it was just a completely different culture um, from from that standpoint. Um, you know the the players bought into the system too. Uh, and then the last thing I would say, the biggest thing was everyone was selfless you know everybody was giving something up uh you know whether it's stardom whether it's you know having to 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 go inside when i know i'm an outside rusher to you know whatever it may be but everyone was playing selfless and i think that's what allowed us to to have some success and that, would be that was a roster loaded with big names too so to say that like obviously you guys ended as super bowl champs you know brian sure the same thing happened with you in baltimore your year while you're there it's, they're not little names that are uh taking um, a step back it's uh I, i'm sure that's part of the winning culture that um that some teams lack these days adam what do you got for cliff yeah cliff nice to meet you um Big, kind of going off the same vein as Ron. Um, I know you talked a little bit about that complete culture change. I guess it, with the the huge names that you know everyone in the NFL became very accustomed to and familiar with in the Legion of Boom. Um, is there was there any specific thing that you can talk about that just really stood out about like maybe a specific player that you know that really like galvanized you personally that really just kind of you know when things maybe didn't seem you know, he, they're always able to write the ship. Like if, if maybe they look to this guy, I know we hear it as fans as different things, but you obviously have a personal experience with it. So um, I just think that was a very fascinating time, especially as a fan of being fan of defense, um, you know, at a high school level, I played defense. And so I always appreciate a good defensive game. <laughs> um, so I guess any, any thoughts on that? Man, uh, I, I would say it was it was a collective effort, though, um, for us. And and even on the defensive side of the ball, you know, although you talk about LOB, whether you talk about Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, uh, Brandon Brown or whoever, whatever those pieces were. The one thing that was consistent was they knew they needed us just like we needed them. You know what I mean? Like Richard Sherman would go into a, a press conference and say, man, shout out to my D-line, you know, or, uh, you know, hey, you know, we think Cliff Averill should make it to the Pro Bowl or or whatever it may be. And I think that's the piece that allowed us to have so much success because we actually we knew it was a, it was a it was a puzzle and we need every piece of that puzzle to be able to have success. I mean, you know, you look at the stats and we think we were number one in pretty much everything. And it was it was. And we were genuinely happy when guys made plays. It's not typically like that all the time with, with mm -hmm. other guys, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, some guys, you got somebody like Michael Bennett next to you, like, man, I need to find a way to slow him down, like, so I can get the sack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, but that's not, that's without, like, I genuinely wanted him to win. And he genuinely wanted me to win. And, um, you know, and, but it was also outside of the sports. BMAX knows this, like, most times or not, you know, we fool with each other in the locker room or whatever. We're cool with every, but like once you go home, a lot of times you don't see it. Like it's just like coworkers, you know what I mean? Like you go home and you don't. We we would, you know, if there's a kid's birthday party, the whole defense would show up. If it's a that makes a difference. Friend, yeah, that that type of stuff makes a difference. So now it does. you're playing for someone else. You know what I mean? You're playing for the guy next to you instead of playing for yourself. You're playing for mm -hmm. that guy. You know his wife, you know his kids. So now you know it's it's a different dynamic to it, and, and it just makes you want to go even harder. Bryant, uh, do you have Vikings examples of that, that camaraderie? We have some. I feel like, especially when Brett Favre came, everybody kind of rallied around him and it became more about, you know, everybody like kind of playing at a higher level, kind of to support him. And we knew, you know, what he wanted to get done. Um, so I feel like that was, for me was the, probably the perfect example. I do know a group, you know, some people did hang out outside the locker room. I haven't told you with the boat experience. We won a seven-game win streak after that because it became a bonding <laughs> experience. Um, so certain things did, did take place that you do have those experiences where people, you know, tend to bond, and I feel like it helps the team out. But you'll have years where it be, it can be clicked up in the locker room, and it's not it's not like that. Okay. 
Uh, Cliff, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl in that 2013 season, uh, one of the things I always remember is the way in which it happens. Uh, you guys beat the shit out of the Broncos. It wasn't like, and they were so highly touted on offense, uh, and then they were just crushed. And I, I feel like that gets forgotten, that it was such a lopsided game. So the one of the only remnants from that team is Russell Wilson. Uh, the Legion of Boom has dissipated and gone elsewhere. And so the Seahawks are now stocked with probably the second best quarterback in football, these dynamic playmaking wide receivers, a pretty damn good running back. And then it gets a little dicey about whether or not the offensive line is good enough for us and all the sacks that he gets. Um, and then it's current format. Um, Cause I always thought that, gosh, when you guys won that Super Bowl, you guys were so young, uh, the collective unit that you guys would be back over and over winning these things. Do you think that the way that the Seahawks are still constructed, that they can win a Super Bowl? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> but don't forget about Bobby Wagner, too, on the other side, right? Oh, yeah. um, those are the only True. guys that are left right now. No, 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 you're good. But but um, as as far as for how they're constructed, I mean, that's what the NFL – that's how the NFL is built right now. You know, when we were playing, everything was all about our defense, right? Um, I don't care. I don't care who it is. We're going to hold you down. We're going to hold you underneath. We, we 13 points at most is what we're trying to give up. We're not trying, you know, we're trying to stop the run, all these different things. And, and we knew that gave us the best opportunity for a young quarterback like Russell Wilson or even having Marshawn back, back there, but it gave us the best opportunity to win. The NFL now, if you look at it, I mean, it's high flying offenses. I mean, everybody likes, everybody loves it for fantasy football, right? And so, so. I think they had to adapt a little bit to what the NFL is about now. You know what okay. I mean? Um, and then also, yeah, I mean, I'm not, the, you know, I'm not, the, I, I'm not, a, I'm not really close with any quarterback other than Russell Wilson. So, you know, they, they baby those guys, of course, and, 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 you know, they try to protect them. So for, for the, the big points, right. So yeah. um, I just think they're just following the trend of the league. Cause that's what's, I mean, that's, what's been winning the last few years. Now, kind of to that point with Russell Wilson um, and, you know, being his teammate for those years, um, you got to catch him early on in his career when as he was kind of developing and establishing himself. And now he, for over the past few years, has established himself as one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. What is it about his game that you admire most? And what is it that you saw from a young Russ that translates to him being successful now in his early 30s? I think the coolest thing about it, one, is Russell Wilson is comfortable being Russell Wilson. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 com like, he's comfortable. Like, because, you know, there's so many opinions about him and all, whatever. Like, he's comfortable being himself. And I think that's what has allowed him to be so consistent is because, like, why y'all worried about that stuff? I'm over here, you know, getting better or whatever. But I think the biggest thing is experience. You've seen the experience. So, like, now I see him calling audibles right now i see him um um taking over the game i see him being the the rah-rah guy in the middle of the field uh with the players when he was younger when we were there he didn't have to do that because we had a bunch of guys like that on our defense right so and then on top of that he got to learn from different character from different characteristic traits from different guys and like you know what that works Mm, I'm not feeling that, you know, so now, and he's able to form how he's going to become a leader. And so I think that's the coolest thing to, to watch him is his growth as he became a leader and, and, and just take, like I said, taking bits and pieces from different individuals that he's played with over the years and bottled it up. And now he's still having success. Now also they list him at five eleven. He's not five eleven, right? He's shorter. Yeah. <laughs> him and Kyler that's, Murray. That's, 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 that's giving him, that's giving him an inch or two. Okay. Adam, take it away. What's your next? Uh, yeah, Cliff, I guess you, you had a very, very successful career rushing the quarterback, um, you know, 74 sacks. And so I, I want to know, do, do any of those really kind of stick out to you that you just, you think back, you're like, that was, that one was pretty sweet. Or like, you have a specific quarterback that you just said, I was real happy that I was able to get to him or one, maybe you, you didn't like going against or really like you just, you know, kind of a pain every time. It's just from a competitor uh, no, standpoint. No, no, no. I, I've pretty much sacked all the the Hall of Famers that I played that played during my era. So uh, <laughs> that, that's pretty cool. Whether you're talking about Brett Favre, uh, you, with with you guys, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, whether you, whoever, you're, you're playing uh, left end at that time, right? Not out and I can see strictly left end, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was left end. I was. I, but hey, but, well, before we jump into this too. When people ask me who is the best tackle that I've gone against, I always say Brian McKinney. Ooh, uh, really? 
Yeah, no, I kid you not. I caught you at your heydays too. This is when you're, you know, five Pro Bowls or whatever, whatever it was. But like, I caught you in your heyday. So like, you was a big dude, and you know, I was still young or whatever, year two, year three. So I, was, I always tell people that, and I think those battles with you uh, allowed me to continue to keep playing. Anyways, moving past Ooh. past that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so out of quarter. Uh, I, I don't remember that. Like, if somebody asked me, like, what was my favorite sack or whatever, I don't remember until I start watching all the plays. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I remember that. Or I remember what I was thinking about in that moment. I mean, you talking about set, thinking about some 74 of them. It's kind of hard to right. play some ball. But I'll tell you, one of my best career games was against you guys <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> I think that's, that's what got me. That's what <laughs> that game is what got me uh, to be the franchise hey, player the following year. I kid you not. <laughs> I mean, I had two sacks. Uh, Ponder, I think, was uh, uh, a quarterback. First two. Oh, okay, I was going there. I was like, Bumble. shit. <laughs> low hole. I was going to get a low hole. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was probably one of my, my my best games. I mean, I had three. I had two sack fumbles. One of them was a touchdown. Eight uh, uh, freaking tackles. Five TFLs. Like, it was crazy. But anyways, um, so if I had to pick, I, I'm sorry. I'd have to say you guys. All right. We're usually no a joke for a lot of the time. It's all good. Oh, trust me. I, I play with usually not for the Lions, though. Yeah, so I know, stuff. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you uh, you stole my thunder, sir. I was going to ask you about some of your Minnesota memories. Is that one? Is that one stands out the the most? Oh, for sure. Um, okay. You know, uh, I, I've been trying to. <laughs> this happened in year four. I kid you not. I've been trying to replicate that game since then, and never <laughs> really was able to do it. Um, <laughs> It was at home. I think it's the year we went 10 and six, actually. The only winning season we had there. Um, and and that was definitely uh one of one of my better games for sure. Ron, you always say it. Go ahead. I'll tell you what the other memorable game was that cold, cold game when I played out there with Seattle for the for the uh in 2015 or whatever. That was uh inhumane. Like we shouldn't have been out there. Nobody should have been out there. <laughs> well, and you get a, you get the shot of legend, you know, our legendary head coach Bud Grant walking out of the coin toss <laughs> in just a polo, just a short <laughs> sleeve, and it's just I mean, it, it just built different sometimes. Games, I don't know, it's yeah, crazy. They they try to play those mental games, so you oh <laughs> you guys can't think about the cold. No, I mean, man. if you it's get if you get mentally bodied by Bud Bud Grant at that point, that's I don't know what to tell you. I mean <laughs> My, uh, I was there at that game. It was um, my wife's, my wife's first professional football game, and we were just dating then. And uh, we prepared. I think I, I wore two winter coats and uh, you know the, the hand warmers and two hats and all that. And the only thing that felt really dangerous was the tips of my toes. And I'll yeah. never. I'll, and people brought in people brought in boxes to stand on, and I didn't understand why. But afterward, I figured out, well, these are Minnesotans that have done this in the 70s at other Vikings games that were outdoor because the concrete does something like the conductivity to your toes or something like that. But my my memory of that, because that one just like last week ended in heartbreak, is walking out to my vehicle and everybody was just dead silent. And I had like Seahawks fans that were like apologizing to me, you know, <laughs> everybody was just so sad and quiet. Normally you'd expect like people bitching or, but it was yeah. just sorrow it just a sea of people that was quiet and it, it really fit the mood. And so I, uh, it was a painful memory. And then I lived four hours away. And so I had to drive home in misery. And uh, yeah, so thank, thanks for that clip. going to interrupt for just a second to talk about one more of our sponsors, which is playactionpools.com. Uh, it's exciting news. Our podcast is partnering up with playactionpools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love most. You'll be able to get on all the action at playactionpools.com and a football pick'em challenge, which is open to everybody. Here's how it works. You sign up for the contest, Believe Football Pick'em at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. Uh, they're going to select 10 of the highest profile games per week for you to make your picks. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. Believe Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivors, pick'ems, and all kinds of sportsbook-style concepts so you can build your own bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all of your office sports pools. 
playing clip right, with man. that game. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was gonna ask with that game, like so being born and raised in Minnesota, I understand the cold and dealing with it. Like there's a point where you kind of get used to it to an extent. Now, as a player on the field, it was there any point in that game where you're like, All right, I'm good, like I can handle this now, or was it just miserable throughout? No, it, it was miserable throughout the whole thing, but what 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 uh Dustin just said, I think is is key. Um if those toes and those fingers can stay warm, you're in a good spot. But as soon as those things are gone, you never get it back. It's a wrap. You're like, and as a D lineman, you use your hands every single play. So if you if you if those fingers are numb, it's gonna be a long, long day for you. So my biggest thing was just making sure that I kept those things warm. Uh, you know, I go to the sideline, stay in front of the Jets the entire time. It was to the point where I would stay on the sideline in front of the Jets, uh, the heaters or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, until the ref blew the whistle and the play clock started. That's when I would run out there like that. <laughs> I was the only one doing it, but I was trying to keep it. I understood if I lost my fingers, I, I wouldn't want to watch that film the next day. You find yourself um, bleeding like you don't know that you got cut either. Like, you oh, yeah. like bleeding and stuff like you be like, why am I bleeding? It's like, yeah, cut. It's so cold. You don't even feel it. And you don't, and you don't even feel it. Like, that's crazy part. Like, you don't even feel it. Like, you have a you have a gash on your arm. Like, uh-huh. I don't know how long I've been bleeding. <laughs> like, I don't even remember what that happened. <laughs> you know what I'm like, and you be just and plus on top of that, you got the adrenaline, you know, going as well. So sometimes it's not till after the game. You're like, God, oh. I'm just beat up today. Like, I don't even know how this happened. You know what I mean? So it's 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 crazy to, like, think about the mindset that you got to kind of have to get into for, for 60 straight minutes and then cut it off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm uh, on a personal note. I'm a recovered alcoholic. And in my drinking days, that used to happen to me, but not because of cold. It was just I was so drunk that I'd wake up with bruises or, you know, find blood. And I'd be like, oh, well, how the hell did that happen? But that's because I had a major problem with alcohol. Uh, Adam, what's your next thing for Cliff? Uh, yeah. So I know we talked a little bit, you, you, you obviously, you know, you talk about with how you're, you always have to use your hands when you're as a defensive lineman. And I think, especially when you're rushing and there's a lot of technique that gets forgotten, um, or from the, just the casual standpoint, why people just watch they're like, you know, they look at a guy, they said, just, just go get him, just beat him around the, it's a, there's a lot of things that happen to go with that. Um, yeah. Is there any young pass rushers right now that you get that you're really excited about that? You know, obviously we know Chase Young and, you know, the big names and whatnot, but have you, I don't know if you kind of watch closely of those guys. Um, anyone jump out to you? I pay attention to, I pay, I mean, I pay attention to, I love, I love watching pass rushers. You know what I'm saying? Cause it truly, there's truly an art to it. You know what I mean? It ain't like a lot of people are like, Oh, you don't just put your hands in the dirt and just go like, no, <laughs> like it's a, it's, it's a chess game the entire time. You know what I mean? Cause that person has been watching film on you all week. You've been watching film on them all week. They done made some adjustments for how you rush and vice versa, you know? So uh, it ain't just put your hands in the dirt and, and, and rush. So I love the art of, of seeing some of these young players and they're getting better and better uh, as they get younger. But I would say, uh, man, Bosa, Joey Bosa down in, uh, that's San Fran, right? Yeah. The one in San Fran. That boy there, like he got something about him. You know what I'm saying? He's explosive. His get off, like he reminds me of myself as far as for the get off. Now I ain't no guy that got 14 sacks or nothing like that. <laughs> but but his get off and like his mechanics. But it makes sense because the the D line coach there is Chris Kasurik, and he was my D line coach in Detroit. So I understand that concept and the philosophy of what he's teaching them. And he's he he's he's crushing it. So I would give it to him. Um, I'll even do a homer uh, here in Seattle, uh, Alton Robinson, a uh, young boy. I think this is year two for Florida him. State? Uh, no, he didn't play Florida State. He played Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse, yes. Okay. Syracuse, yes. And so he had five sacks last year on limited snap counts. This year, I think he already has one on limited snap counts. So I think when they actually let him off the leash and let him go, I think he can, he can be a, a solid, solid player as well. And when it comes to like edge rushers, so, um, and Brian, maybe you can speak to this too. Cause like you said, it's kind of a chess match of, you know, you going against the offensive lineman. Now the offensive lineman in that situation, they have to be more defensive and you're more on the offensive side. How much of rushing the passer are you setting up a move to use later on in the game? Like, you know, you're, you know, like you're playing it out and you're like, all right, I know at one point I can get a spin move off here. Or I can, you know, get a, you know, swim move at some point. Like how much of that goes on in your mind that you're like, all right, I'm going to save this for a certain point. Or are you just strictly, you know, reacting as to how uh, they're setting up against you? Well, well, as a pass rusher, you can't, you, 
you can't just go into it and say, I'm going to spin. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there's, there's protections. Like you got to understand the protections. You got to understand the type of rusher you're going up against or uh, tackle you're going up against. If he's a taller guy, uh, you know, long arms, like these are all things that, that, that play a role. But what it is though, is for me, because I was such a speed guy off the edge, I knew if I had the right angles, I knew if I had, and if I, and if I got off that, uh, that football fast, if I, if I can beat him out of his stance, I knew I would get the same thing from every single tackle I played against. You know what I'm saying? Like, because one thing about tackles and, and BMAC can, can attest to this is they don't like to like they don't like to move their feet like old linemen just don't like to move their feet guards in particular but tackles as well like they just they, they can shadow you really well the, the good ones can shadow you really well or whatever but um it's all about setting them up for for that so now I hit you with my fastball hit you with my fastball then boom speed to power you know what I mean like oh shoot now he has that too the next play what you thinking he's thinking he's thinking about now he can speed to power me I can beat you off the edge again Cause now you're taking, cause now you're playing a little more stern and you might set your feet and then boom, I get off of it and I beat you off the edge. So that's the type of games that are going on the entire game. And what sucks for old lineman is you can play 70 straight snaps. If that guy beats you one time or two times out of the 70 yep. snaps, you had a terrible game. <laughs> you know what right. So, uh, but for me, it's like, I had 70 plays and I didn't get a sack off of you. You know what I mean? So it's that, it's that, it's that, um, that balance that you got to kind of, kind of have and, and understand. Cliff, uh, this off season at the end of January, your guy, Matthew Stafford was traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a King's ransom. And through two, <laughs> through two weeks, it looks like that the, the fit is going to be magnificent. Uh, do you think, who do you think is set up better for success in their situation? Matthew Stafford or Russell Wilson from your other team? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think, I think, man, staff is so doggone good, but he's been in Detroit for so doggone long. Yeah. Like, he did, he doesn't get the, the notoriety that he deserves if he was in a bigger market. Um, and we're seeing what's going on right now with him, right? He's, he's crushing it. Um, I, as far as for who's going to have the most success collectively, that's, I, I feel like, I mean, Bobby's my guy. But when you start talking about one of the most dominant players ever in NFL history with that boy, uh, A.D., Aaron Donald mm-hmm. on the other side, he gives you a chance. And then, you know, he, and he got Jalen Ramsey out there. He gives you a chance. So collectively right now in the, in the NFC West is, is stacked. Yeah. Um, collectively right now, it's hard to not go with L.A. or staff in his situation right now because of the success that everyone around him has already had. And now. He's he's just he's playing. He's he's out there just having a great time because he has so many weapons. Awesome. If you were just kicking it at your place watching like the Rams versus the Cardinals, would you cheer for the Rams just because Stafford's the quarterback? I cheer for players. I don't cheer for okay. teams. You don't? OK. Um, and that's for football and basketball, because most of these guys are my peers. I, I probably have a relationship with most of these guys. So okay. I cheer for the players, not the teams. Oh, I cheer for the Seahawks. I can't. Yeah. Lie. Yep. But besides that, I cheer for players and and because a lot of my guys that have been here, they go other places. I might not I might not like Arizona, but yeah. one of my young guys there, you know I mean, I, I want him to have some success. Who are your I'm a basketball fiend too. Who who are your NBA guys? Oh man. It's <laughs> uh it's 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 LeBron. Um <laughs> but it's it's LeBron based on a few things. Like I've literally like LeBron's a year older than me. So I've known about LeBron since I was a sophomore in high school. You know what I mean? Same here. So, <laughs> so I've just been, I've been with him the whole time. I'm in high school. This guy's crushing it in the league. I go to the league and he's still crushing it, right? I, I play 10 years and he's still crushing it after me. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it's, it's crazy to see what he's been able to do. You know what I mean? So I'm a big LeBron fan. I love what Steph is doing. He's kind of changed the game up a little bit because uh, he has, I have a, have a son. He's an AAU kid. And all they want to do is jack up threes. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to get the layups. You know what I'm saying? But they don't uh, like just understanding what Steph has been able to do is pretty impressive. Um, who else? And then KD. Okay. KD's that guy, man. You got to respect it. Seven foot tall and can do what anybody on the court uh, can do. You know what I mean? So it's it's um, it's it's impressive. So it's it's I, I like basketball where basketball is right now. It's been it's been a great run. Me too. Uh, and coincidentally, Ron and I's guy is LeBron and has been so for the entire ri- ride. And the way that you talked about, you know, him being in your age group, 
from me, obviously not a player, it's the same thing because when Jordan retired, mm-hmm. uh, LeBron was drafted like, God, like uh, two months later or whatever it was. And I was 19, year, 19 years old. So I always tell my wife, like, it just feels like his adulthood, like in a very major way, mirrors mine, like, you know, having yeah. kids. And I just, and it's always constant that I get to watch LeBron. And most of the time, he's going to the finals. And yeah. it's, it, it, to be a fan uh, of his has been a blessing because he's just so dominant. And like you said, he just doesn't fall off. Yeah, no, he's he's a dog. And then also with you being in the Midwest, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's from Ohio. He's, yep. I mean, you so so I'm sure you guys have had your eyes on him even earlier. You know, yeah. so it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy what he's been able to do. Amen. Well, I think, yeah, you and I, you must have been a high school class of 04 because that's uh, when I was a sophomore as well. So um, same here. So I, yeah, I remember when. Uh, yeah, I think it was his junior year because he's 03 when they were first on ESPN. You know, he was the ESPN magazine yep. next, and it was him versus Oak Hill and Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, so it, since then, it was like, yeah, this kid's going to be something special. And, you know, here he is. Man. Yeah, had the little tape <laughs> yeah. thing covering yeah, up the yeah. uh, tattoos yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I, and then, like, I know, I know Mav Carter, which is obviously LeBron's like right hand man. Yeah. Like, and I tell them all the time, like, I think what's most impressive, I, we're kind of going on a tangent, but what's what's most impressive about what they've been able to do, LeBron and, and his friends, is all those guys have been able to kind of create their own lane. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Talk about Mav being a producer and, and creating all this other stuff. You know, Rich mm-hmm. Paul, one of the best agents now, you know, like everybody's created their own lane and didn't necessarily have to ride LeBron's coattail the entire time or anything like that. Um, so, you know, I'm a big, I, I tell them that all the time. I'm a big fan of how they've been able to, to keep it going. You know what I mean? All right, Adam, bring us back to football. What do you got for <laughs> Mr. Averill? Yeah. So I, I know you mentioned a little earlier in the beginning of this interview, kind of talking a little bit about Pete Carroll. Um, I, w- I was hoping to see if you can kind of go a little more in depth on just his style of coaching. I know he, he, he gets a lot of opinions on both some people, you know, more people like him than they don't, but I know there are some people that are very opinionated on Pete Carroll. And also if you give maybe some insight on the gum chewing, is it, <laughs> is it caught? Is it, is it one piece for a whole game or is he changing it out at halftime? Is he just constantly I, popping it in? I, I, and I think it's the, um, the bubble bubble yum or whatever it is. The double, the, the, like the hubba bubba or something. Yeah, the pink like joint. A double bubble. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot I think, of respect. I, I that. think it, whatever that is, the one that doesn't hold flavor that long. Flavor for like ten <laughs> seconds and it's yeah. gone. A double bubble. He, I think I think that's what he chews on. But so he's flipping them out. Probably he's just, he's just just tossing them. Just, <laughs> is his tossing pocket them. just full of them? Like in the stadium, he does just, he have a bubblegum guy like that's right there? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I thought so. Marshawn's got his Skittles. Pete Carroll's got his bubble I was kind of hoping that he just chewed the same piece. It's like flavorless just the whole time and just, yeah. just that kind of guy. But, you know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call him the bubble yum guy because he might get mad at me. But he definitely <laughs> That's holds his on flavor. All right. Brian, um, did, I was going to say, Brian, did you have any coaches that had like little uh, ex- eccentricity quirks about them like that or? We're all your guys pretty uh minus the calling I mean, people by their wrong name. Like so. the, little, the little dip and all that stuff or sunflower seeds. That's about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, dip. Yeah. Well, that must be a <laughs> Minnesotan thing, but our cause our current coach does that. So uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we got a couple, one more round for Cliff Averill. Um, I wanted to this is a long shot. You might uh, be like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about, but one of our first guests on the show was Ray Edwards. And, yeah, uh, yeah, come on, man. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, you, you played with him at Purdue, and I want to know if you have any Ray Edwards stories for us. <laughs> He's a Viking. Ray, man. Ray was uh he he yeah, I played with him at Purdue. And obviously, when we were playing um in Detroit, I would see him pretty often. Uh, you know, <laughs> what crazy story. I, I mean, some of these I don't know if we can talk about. Um <laughs> we can. Um, <laughs> But uh, Ray, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think. Oh, oh, well, I guess this ain't nothing too crazy. But anyways, like nobody really messed with Ray, even at school and at Purdue or whatever. Nobody really messed messed with him. And I used to wonder why. I mean, he was big dude, but, you know, obviously going to the league and all this other stuff. But anyways, him and you guys know Bernard Pollard. Um, yeah, played, safety. Matter of fact, he might play, play with BMAC, I think, right? Yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. yeah. Um, another guy that, you know, played with at Purdue or whatever. 
and they were roommates. But one day out of nowhere, him and Bernard get into it and ready to go for blows over like the dummy, like somebody talking about somebody need to be in a gap or something like that. And other guys telling them, you know, don't mind your business. Or well, I, I don't know. And I'm a, I'm a young boy at the time, too. I think I'm like a, a freshman or a sophomore. So I'm like, what are y'all doing? Like, is this how college works? Like, we just gonna fight each other, not on like not on Saturdays. We just gonna fight each other on the in the middle of the week, you know. Just seeing them go back and forth. But fortunately, neither one of them uh, ended up fighting on the field. But I, I was interested to kind of find out what happened when they got home because, like I said, they were roommates. Uh, but they they their dynamic was just interesting in how 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 he moves. But I really thought Ray was gonna um, beat the dog mess out of him. So he had that fighting gene way back in him back then. Now I know he's transitioned into the boxing ring and uh, just. Is he still doing that? He's not doing that anymore, is he? Oh, oh, did he stop? Okay. Yeah, because there was one fight I seen. I was like, "This is what this is what this is what life has become for you, Ray." Like, is this what we're doing right now? He stole off on a guy, and the guy did like a full three sixty or something like that in the air. I was like, "No, this this is wrestling. This ain't boxing." Ron, what's your final question for Cliff? All right. All right. So my question again, back to the, the gridiron with uh, when you were in Seattle, obviously they have one of the best home field advantages in all football, um, the loud stadium and all the decibel level. It's all well documented. Now, when you're playing, obviously, when you're at home in that environment, um, that obviously is to your advantage. But is there ever any benefit in having de- dealing with that on a regular basis that you can translate to road games? Or is that just something that is hard to replicate um, when going to tough stadiums on the road um, just because it's a completely different feel? No, it's it's uh, it's not. I mean, it's not it's hard to replicate it for sure. Um, but, you know, I would say there's been a few games where we have traveled so well that it felt like a home game. You know, in the Super Bowl was one of both Super Bowls. I actually felt like they were home games. How loud they they cheered on defense, but um, that's hard to replicate, man. These twelves take it serious. Like that whole twelve man, like they really feel like they're part of the team. You know what I mean? Um, they they're passionate. We got a whole day dedicated every week. It's called Blue Fridays, and I didn't know how serious this was until I um, until I started until I retired. Because I mean, get out of practice on a Friday. I'm I'm trying to chill. You know, I'm trying. I'm not going out and about, but Kids, kids in private school, bankers, uh, uh, teachers, anyone that has to wear a uniform, everyone wears a Seahawk shirt or like some type of memorabilia, uh, whether it's a jersey, whatever. And I'm like, y'all take this a little too serious. Like I'm at the bank, y'all got to see like every restaurants, everything. And so they take pride in that. That's how that was when I got the Baltimore, honestly, they had Purple Friday. And I used to be like, damn. Yeah, yeah. And the exactly. why we have that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same exact thing. I was like, man, this is y'all, y'all crazy. Like, but but um, so they take pride in that. So on 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 Sundays, they they're they're trying to win that whole uh who jumps offside, like which stadium has the most offsides. They like they take it that serious. They go crazy when they put that stat up there. <laughs> All right, Adam, let's hear the final question for Cliff Averill tonight. Uh yeah, so kind of going on that. Same vein. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know if I don't want to steal your thunder here, Dustin, but we got a big game, obviously, this weekend. Uh, home opener here. Uh, what are your honest thoughts? Kind of not necessarily this Sunday, but as a whole for the Seahawks, kind of the outlook this season. I know we talked about they have a lot of dynamic pieces in, in Lockett and Metcalf, obviously. Chris Carson's no slouch. Obviously, Russell Wilson. Bobby Wagner still running the defense. How, do, how does it look? And they are in such a gauntlet of a division in the NFC West. So, I mean, your I thoughts think, from the season going forward? I think um, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I definitely think they, they, they'll win 10, 10 games at, at a minimum. I think they, they could possibly win up to 12 or 13 if they can play can be consistent. Like that was the one thing I think we had over them over the last few years is consistency, which is the hardest thing to do in the league. So I think I think if they can be consistent in their scheme, be consistent in how they run things, make sure all the guys are consistent on the defensive side of the ball in particular, because the offense, I think, is going to be explosive. DK Metcalf ain't slowing down. Tyler Lockett ain't slowing down. Chris Carson ain't slowing down. They got these tight ends that can make some things happen. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson by himself, I think, wins you seven or eight games. You know what I'm saying? Just on some, just being Russell type stuff. So, um, 
it's the defense that concerns me a little bit. Last week, like giving up 100 and whatever, 50 yards in three quarters or whatever the heck they did in the rushing game is unacceptable. Um, you know, you got to be able to stop the run in order to, to have any type of success in the league. Uh, so I say all that to say, I still think they win between 10 to 12 or 13 games this season. And, even do, you, in and do you think they beat the Vikings on Sunday? Uh, do I think they beat? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think so. Based on, on, on this, um, it might be a close game, but I, I think they win based on all those things I just said earlier. They're coming off of a loss. I think Russell Wilson's had only had like a handful of back-to-back losses in his career. Um, so that tells me that, that, you know, obviously he's going to take it serious. He's more of a leader now. So he's going to make sure those guys are on their, on their stuff. So, I think uh, as as they continue to figure it out, but um, yeah, I think they 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 pull it off. Maybe they squeak by with a with a close win. Oh yeah, because we would all we need is three of those in a row. <laughs> Vikings have been yeah. Uh, yeah. But you learn from them. I just hope you don't learn from them this week. Then <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna have an extensive education. Uh, <laughs> all right, Cliff uh, and the rest of the panel. Thank you for joining us. We sincerely appreciate it. No um, and that- thank you for joining us, Cliff. All right, and that's all we have for this week and Skull Vikings. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.